Hello friends, hello lovers, and hello to everyone living their life. Welcome back to an episode of Be Here for a While, guys. Ah, I love you so much. Uh, you know, everything about you. Never change. Not one single thing. I love the way you drive that car. love the way you work on your computer. I love the way you take care of those kids. I love the way you clean your house. That's what I do when I listen to podcasts. Podcasts obsessively clean. So that's what I'm imagining you doing. I'm imagining we're all in this together. Anyways, welcome back to the episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Third Love, Native, and Rothy's. I love all these things. I just ordered some Third Love bras to go with my holiday dresses, some Native deodorant to not smell like a creep when I'm rushing around, and some Rothy's shoes for my go-to chic, comfortable travel style shoes. So... Anyways, I'll tell you about it later. I'm just hinting and I'll drop them in, give you a little, give you discount codes. I love you guys. Uh, what's going on? Besides the fact that thank you for listening, as always, I feel like I haven't done a solid thank you in a while and uh, I want you to know how much I appreciate it so, so much. And I appreciate all the messages you guys, you guys send me and, uh, you know, please continue to leave five-star reviews and, and five-star ratings and five and good reviews can't talk. I have locked jaw right now. Uh, I'll get to that. Uh, so please continue to, uh, yeah, leave five-star ratings and good reviews. It just really helps to keep it going and it makes me really happy and it pushes down those reviews of people that are like, hey, Rachel, why do you keep mentioning Vanderpump Rules? It seems like a, a compulsion. You're not relevant. You're not involved. Yeah, I know, lady. I know I'm not involved. That's why I always say I'm a background character. So, why are you leaving me a review about that? If you want to leave me some constructive criticism about the fact that it bothers you, maybe DM me on the Instagram or don't listen to the podcast because I don't think I actually claim that I'm really on the show because I'm not and totally fine with that. All right, there's a little venting there. It's okay, guys. So leave me some good reviews that don't have anything to do with that uh, and I will love you forever. And, you know, hey, if you ever need a favor from me, I got your back. Anyways, uh, also screenshot when you're listening to the podcast. I want to know where you're listening to it. Screenshot it and uh, tag me in our Insta story and I'll repost it. And it just helps me keep track of you guys too. Do you know that I actually have, and it's not a list of everyone because I've, you know, I've kind of sporadically gone in and out of it, but I keep a list of almost everyone that has messaged me. If they say what city they're from or any certain thing about you guys that I can remember, I got a whole document about it. So it's not lost on me. Love you guys. Anyways, thank you for everything. And uh, so back to the lockjaw. Um, so, okay, it's not locked, but I have a little TMG, TMJ flare up. The last time I had this, I was in college and it was a very stressful time. It was finals. My car kept going out of park and running into things. <laughs> That's a true story. I think I've told it before, but I'll give you a brief overview um, I had a very, yes, it was a Mercedes SUV, but let's not get fancy. I bought it with a hundred, over a hundred thousand miles on it. So, okay. So it's a little old. So yeah, but it was a Mercedes. So I was cool. No one had to know that I had over a hundred thousand miles. You know what I mean? But it would malfunction. And, uh, I, listen, I could have also been an idiot that I did a lot of dumb things when I first got my license and then well into college, like 
one of the things I did in my first car when I was driving down my driveway and I was like waving at my parents like look at me driving and I just sideswiped an entire brick thing that my mom had around her garden just kept rolling um <laughs> but this car so so maybe it was that I kept forgetting to put it in park however I remember when I first got the car that um I would put it in like if I didn't put it in park, I couldn't take the keys out of the ignition, right? Well, it feels like that um, that function just started ma- like not working. Unless, of course, it never did it. Who knows? But, the, you know, there was a few instances, specifically the, uh, the Eugene, Oregon Mall instance of whatever year it was, 2000 and something. And um, I was getting my hair cut in the mall. And a security guard uh, came up to me and he was like, something's happened with your car. And somehow they'd contacted my mom, so she called me and she's like, they said something's happened with your car, whatever. Probably because she was on the title or I don't know. And so I was like, oh, someone hit my car. God damn it, I'm just trying to get a haircut. What's a girl got to do to get a haircut? And so I was like, all right, hold on, let me just finish this up. I was trying to go for like a long bob here, but, you know, hopefully she didn't have to rush it, the haircutting lady. So I go out there and uh, he shows me my car. I'm certain I've told this story on the podcast. I apologize, but. For those of you that haven't heard it, buckle in. So I go out to my car, and um, uh, it was not in the same spot that it was originally when I parked it, and it had two cones under the front tires. And I was like, I looked at the security, and I was like, my God, someone hit my car so hard, it's in a different spot? Like, what the? No awareness that it could have been me being a moron or overly stressed, hence the TMJ thing and the not paying attention to the car. I don't know. And, um, it's not an excuse. I'm not proud of this story. And he was like, no, your car came out of park and rolled through the parking lot, hit three cars, bent back the doors of one car. And it just started plowing through the parking lot, basically just hitting cars, just keep going. And, um, so that wasn't fun. That wasn't fun for me, my parents, my insurance, anything. Um, but that was, you know, that was just a sign of either, Either stress or a car malfunction. I don't know. But the way I'm, the reason I'm circling back is I have not had this TMJ thing where like my jaw is so tight that it then hurts into my ear and also then down my throat. It's been going on for like a week. I believe that it started probably like from I was very nervous about selling tickets to my Philly and Delaware shows. And that started with me sort of like kind of like moving my, like chewing on my cheek a little and just kind of getting like nervous. And I think I must've just tensed my job so much, you know, that, cause then it didn't, like I thought I was going to get done with those shows and then I'd come home and like have a few days of relaxation. No, I just kept working lots of podcast stuff, not complaining, but like something's going on where the tightness is intense. I uh, will not be making dumb car decisions. I am very responsible now. Uh, don't even text and drive. Definitely don't drink and drive. But I don't know. I don't know why it's doing this. Like it's it's really irritating. I I feel it all night long. Have any of you guys ever had this happen? Like what are the remedies? Help me out. Send me an email or DM me on Instagram at Rachel R-A-C-H-A-E-L-N-O-B-R-I-E-N or email me at info at rachelbryancomedy.com. Like I've Googled it, but then that kind of freaks you out. They kind of just say like, okay, it'll go away in like two weeks or something. But if it is really bad, then you need to see a doctor. I don't think I need to because I feel like it could be one of those things where I pulled a muscle on my side and I thought one of my, I like was having an appendicitis attack. It was also the wrong side. Um, I don't want to embarrass myself. So if you guys have any insight on this, help a sister out. So I don't embarrass 
the whole family do you guys me my you know just anyone that is involved in my circle of orbit anyways uh show dates guys uh detroit february 19th oh no there's one more added we don't have tickets for it yet but it just got added today uh we'll be in denver colorado same thing same setup that i'm doing with kristen i'll be doing stand-up and then I'll bring her up on stage and we'll do a live podcast. And then we're going to have a meet and greet Q&A afterwards. Everything is going to be a blast. We just added Denver, January 17th. Tickets will be up in the next you know week or so. And then February 19th, Detroit, Michigan. Tickets are at the Comedy Castle or at rachelobriancomedy.com. And then we have Long Island, the Governor's Club. Tickets at their site or same thing, rachelobriancomedy.com. And then Laugh Boston, March 29th. So Long Island, March 28th. Laugh Boston in Boston on March 29th. Hey, listen, more might might get added. We're excited. This is going to be a blast. It's so much fun to be able to tour with a friend and, you know, have someone there. And I'm I'm thrilled about it. So I can't wait to see you guys. Can't wait to meet you. And yeah, I'm really excited about this podcast today. Um, I used to watch um, Real Housewives in New York like a long time ago. I just sort of stopped watching TV in general. This isn't like a brag. I didn't know when people do that. It's just, I just have been constantly grinding for the last, I don't know, eight years, it feels. And so I don't have a lot of downtime. But when I used to watch it, I used to be a big fan of Jill Zarin. And I thought she was, I just, I like her attitude. I I think she's, and from this podcast, I didn't know how sweet she was and how um, um, uh, supportive she is of other people. And so, yeah, I just, I think you guys are really like it. So Jill Zarin, she's from the Real Housewives of New York. She's also has her own brand of rugs and home furnishings and bedding and you name it. And um, she just had an incredible career on Bravo, an incredible career before that. We talk about her backstory, how she got to where she was. And I think you're really going to love it. So without further ado, give it up for Jill Zarin. Jill Zarin, thank you so much for doing this. Rachel, I love that name, Rachel. Oh well, thanks. It's uh, is is it? It's Jewish, but not the way I spell it. Correct? It's I spell R A C H A E L. Is that's the wrong spelling? Correct? I th- do you, um, I don't think there's a right and a wrong. I'm not sure if A E L is that Raquel. No, it's it's, Rachel? it's just Rachel. I think my parents just got jazzy with it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, who knows? That's nice. Yeah. So um, I'm really excited to talk to you. I watched, uh, so I sort of stopped watching Bravo maybe like, or at least Real Housewives, probably after like right around when you left. Uh, I just, just kind of stopped watching TV in general, but maybe, maybe it's because, maybe it's because you were gone. I don't know. But I did watch when you were on Real Housewives in New York. And pattern by the way but oh. thank you oh well that's no you were so great on it always I always felt like you were very classy and I felt like you and your husband had such a beautiful marriage so um I wanted to talk a little bit about that but let's start first with BravoCon how yes. was it who yeah wh- wh- how was it was it just crazy crazy in a great way you mm-hmm. know crazy in a great way and I think that you know every year will be um unique that they do BravoCon I certainly hope that they continue to do it forever and ever uh, for so many reasons, but um, I don't think it'll ever be like this again because it was their first year and they did it in three locations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure why, but I know that it was um, um, logistically very difficult. So I anticipate, and I don't know, but I anticipate that they'll probably find one location next time. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you um, had different environments, like there was one building which I thought was really cool, which had a museum upstairs. And I have to say, I'm a little insulted. Nobody asked me for my gown from season one. but That's, <laughs> that's fine. You know that's what? The Smithsonian's still available. 
I have, I still have the camel bracelet that the camel ate off that I was wearing that Luann's camel ate my wrist. <laughs> and I have the, you know, green shoes that I kind of likened to ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz. And I mm -hmm. wish that day that it did take me away. Um, anyway, so they had that upstairs. And then downstairs, they really made a cool decor. And they had it set up with um, like a stage with chairs, mm -hmm. with Q&A panels, which were terrific. I sat in on one with producers of different Housewives shows. Okay. You know, and I always learned something new that I didn't know. So that was kind of cool. And, yeah. Um, what was and the biggest thing you learned this time? Um... Let's see, from the producers of other shows, was there anything I learned? Um, I liked hearing, you know, because uh, obviously I was on the show, one of the producers was actually a friend, um, was the producer for Kelly and Scary Island. So he talked about um, his memory of that day, which matched my memory, which made me feel good. I'm not crazy of what happened. Yeah. That I ran into them at the airport. As I was coming, they were leaving. Oh, and interesting. We couldn't talk because there was a glass wall between us I was coming off the plane and they were still inside waiting to get on that plane back to New York as I was arriving um and so we couldn't talk but we waved at each other and I'm like where are you going I'm here to save you where are you going <laughs> you know? and uh, that kind of thing so it was great That's um, and the, uh, the building that I happened to be in was where they had the um the bazaar Mm -hmm. And they gave me a great corner. I had a corner area so I could show off my rugs. And I was giving away Halloween candy. I call it Halloween candy. I bought chocolate for everybody. And um, I, I made postcards with my photo on the front on one side. And on the back, I have a bunch of products coming out next year, which we'll talk about later. But I yeah. wanted to list all that for the fans. And I signed autographs. I didn't charge. There were other celebrities there who were charging. Charging for autographs? Well, they were saying that you can't get an autograph or a photo with me unless you buy something. Oh, wow. Which, I mean, which, I guess I get it, but. Yeah, it's very normal for a, um, you know, there's Comic-Con and autograph signing. Yeah. Conditions and things like that. It's just not me. Yeah, I just don't know that I could ever voice it myself. Maybe if someone else was saying, but there's no way, like even after my comedy shows, for example, like you sell merch. And if right. I don't have someone traveling with me that's going to sell my merch, I can't stand, I can't get off stage and then go stand there as people are leaving being like, would you like to buy a t-shirt? It's just real embarrassing. It is. Exactly. Uh, you, you get it. So anyway, yeah. so aside from that, I mean, I feel like I can make money um, hopefully selling products that they like from mm -hmm. my line. And not have to like, if they're fans of mine, I love that. And their loyalty is worth to me to give them a photo or whatever signed. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need, I, I'm not, I don't need to, I don't need to sell my autograph. I'm happy to give it to them. Or yeah. my um, but I would like them to hopefully look at my products and if they like them, buy them. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, I was there with my rugs and I had some rugs there and that was great. Really good exposure, believe it or not. Um, a lot of people still didn't know I had rugs. And, you know, I thought everybody knew I had rugs. So it just shows you not everybody knows everything. Yeah. So it's good to go and do those things. Yeah. Ruby was telling me all about like you. So you have an indoor rug line and then it's expanding to outdoor rugs, home furnishings. You name it. Yeah. Um, lamps, bedding, towels, you know, mattress protectors, draperies, all coming out in 2020. So oh, that's so exciting. A lot of good stuff. And that's yeah. similar to what you and Bobby did before, right? Are you still in that same business or is this a whole different branch? No, uh, no, no I'm in the same business. Mm -hmm. The same business. Oh, that's Love. great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's, I, mean, yeah. I have licensees now. I'm not doing it with Zarin. I don't work with Zarin anymore. Mm -hmm. We, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, gone in a different direction, but. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. And what, what, where can they find your furnishing? Just jillzarin.com? 
jillzarin.com. Okay, cool. So what I, what I set up is that we would give um, your listeners a discount. Okay, See? yeah. Ruby had told me about that. I think I can, I don't know that I can say it on here, but I can put it in um, like the show notes because I have okay. other ads running. But um, right. yeah, no, that's great. I'm sure. And honestly, like, I feel like if I told my mom about it, my mom likes to just buy anything home furnishing. So uh, she, she's my bedding and everything. She's going to go crazy. Oh, I'm sure she'll love it. I make it so that they don't wrinkle, wrinkle free, really soft, very affordable, like a duvet covers like 50 bucks, not 200 bucks. Oh, that's know? wonderful. So, and it's wonderful that it's wrinkle free. My mom and, makes me iron mine or which doesn't make me. I'm a 30 something year old woman. But like, yeah. <laughs> like a 600 thread count three-piece duvet set so it's not just the duvet it comes with two shams and it's like 50 bucks for a king oh that's amazing yeah i think people are gonna really like it i think so too what about this so important especially online you want to get those five-star reviews you need to get those five i'm I'm just having a a moment of jack nicholson you need to get those five (laughs) you do you do you need me on that (laughs) um so i want to so i want to go back to talking a little bit more about the show okay so you were one of the first people, first Bravo celebrities, first people ever on the Real Housewives franchise. And what was the process of being cast? Were you, did you know like Andy Cohen or anyone at Bravo or did they just come to, how did that whole thing start? Oh, um, how I got cast on the show was they were, uh, they, okay. So Bravo had already had Orange County out. And they had hired. Oops, hold on a second. Okay. Uh, Gary, Gary, I'm on. Hi, I'm doing a podcast live with Rachel. Hi, Gary. Remember, Neil, you're not going to believe what I'm looking at right now. So Neil is the company that I told you I'm doing betting with. Neil, look what I'm looking at right now. Do you know? Do you see what's on my screen? My my betting. So I'm telling her like what comes in the set and all the stuff. I'm already prepping people for what's yeah, coming. Prototypes. prototypes. They're actually calling me from the show and showing me some stuff that they're developing. Is that That's amazing? So I love your glasses. Thank you. Can't, can't read weird. without them. Can't read without. Okay, so I will call you guys later. Bye. Okay, I hung up on them. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, is is that Gary the the new boyfriend? Yeah, but he's oh, talking. Nice. So like, it's I am so involved in this line. Like some people. And, you know, God bless everybody. You know, sometimes people are lucky enough that they're famous and they uh, get approached by a company or they find a company and they do a deal together mm-hmm. and they come out with product. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's very organic and it seems very natural to the celebrity. And sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And it doesn't feel right. Like I I've, feel like I'm, it's better to be more hands on because it, then it doesn't just run, it doesn't just run away from you. And you're like, what am I doing? I think it's like it doesn't seem authentic if you're not at least somewhat hands on. Well, not even just that. It's like I'm not going to mention names, but there have been um, women on The View, as an example, mm-hmm. who come out with the items that they sell on either QVC or HSN or online. And I say to myself, that's the last product that I think of when I think of that celebrity. Uh, I totally know what you're saying. Yeah, I've thought about that with certain things before. Like if I said to you, I'm going to sell copier machines, what do you think? Yeah, totally. Jill, I think you might want to stay in the home industry because you're like Jill Zarin Fabrics, Jill Zarin, you know, anything like fabric. You know what I mean? Like, and and like, you know, even the opposite, like liquor. I don't drink. Do you Mm -hmm. know how many times I've been approached by liquor companies to do a wine? Many. Let's just say that. Yeah. But I don't drink. And it's not because I'm in AA. Mm-hmm. It's because I don't like it. I like Diet Coke. It's what I like. Yeah, no, that's great. It's health. I mean, no, Diet Coke's certainly not healthy, but meaning it's healthy that you don't drink. <laughs> I don't know. So you, I turn down things more than I accept them because 
you know, I think that you guys, meaning fans, are really smart. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I don't like I as a fan, I'm a fan of, of other, you know, of people. And I, I don't like to be sold a bill of goods and I don't like to be told that someone's using something when I know they're not. Like yeah. I look sometimes on Instagram and I see people doing, um, you know, even if it's like a weight loss thing. Yeah, they yeah. Ne- they've never been a pound overweight. Are you kidding me? You're going to try to tell me that that's what you're taking to lose weight? Yeah. I don't like that con game. I try to be very, and I'm not perfect, but I think I'm pretty authentic to who I am and what I um, like. So my point is, is that I have 27 lines coming out next year. And I literally, from day to night, I'm working with each of the companies Mm -hmm. on product and getting samples and checking colors. Like, for example, my rugs have certain colors. Those are already done. They're in people's homes. They're not changing. And and rugs in the business usually stay in the line for like five to seven years. Seriously. They just don't change. So I have all the yarn samples that I've sent out to all my companies that I'm working with to say, hey, listen, if we're going to do sheets, if you're going to do trim in blue, please match the blue of my rug so that, you know, it matches. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Putting it into that effort to make this a success. And yeah. that way, now listen, I don't know if it'll be a success, but if it's not, it's it's my fault, it's not my fault. In other words, like I did everything I could, yeah. I did the best I could and it didn't work fine. But if I didn't do this and I let other people do it and it failed, it'd be like, really, you surprised? Yeah, okay. Like I said earlier, I just placed a few more orders for new Third Love bras that can fit under my cute, sexy holiday dresses and I think you guys need to get involved too because Third Love are the most flattering, slimming bras you'll ever own. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. So here's what the Fit Finder quiz is like. First of all, it's super fun. You just answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. Over 14 million women have already taken the quiz to date. And did you even know that breast shape matters when finding a good fit? I had no idea. That blows my mind. And it really shows me that's why Third Love is different and the most flattering bra you'll ever own. And they have a perfect fit promise. So every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it and third love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. That is so great, but I don't think you're going to want to return it. You're going to feel really sexy and confident in your third love bras. I additionally love their panties, super cute, super sexy, and they're just comfortable. They're hands down the most comfortable bra you'll ever own. The straps don't slip. There's tagless labels, no itching, and they're super lightweight. And they're giving back. Third Love donates all of their gently used return bras, like I said, to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. So far, Third Love has donated over $15 million in bras. That's crazy. That's so wonderful. And Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners... 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash be here now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash be here for 15% off today. Also makes a great holiday gift. So is that know. how you kind of felt about being like on the, so you're, when you're an ensemble cast on, you know, a reality show, there's very little I feel that's in your control. Does Was that, especially since you are such a hands-on person and a businesswoman, was that really 
kind of frustrating or weird for you to relinquish so much control and not even knowing how you're going to be edited? Like, what was that experience like? You know what? I'm going to go back to your first question that we got interrupted on and try to keep it short for you just because I don't want to leave people hanging on how I got on the show. Yeah. So and then and then ask me that question. Hopefully you wrote it down because I'll forget. So the first question you asked me is how I got on the show. Yes. What happened was Bravo already had a show called Orange County Housewives. Mm -hmm. Then they hired a then they decided they wanted to do something called Manhattan Moms. I don't know if they always thought it would turn into New York Housewives. That's almost doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But uh, they hired a production company named at the time Ricochet Television, which is now called Shed Media. And they hired them and they said, hey, listen, we want to do a show called Manhattan Moms. We're going to give it to you to do. Find us a cast, bring them to us, and we'll decide who we want. Mm-hmm. So they literally are in LA and there are a bunch of young people running a company looking for rich, you know, let's call it rich New York women who have kids in private schools living the life. How are they going to find them? Now, remember, there was no Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think Facebook might have been around, but it wasn't something people my age used. It was for Allison and her friends, you mm-hmm. know, high school and college. Um, how are you going to find us? Yeah. Now it's easy, but back then, how are you going to find us? So what they did is there was a website and you know what? I wonder if it's still online. I'm going to look it up as we're talking. It was called New York Social Diary. Oh my gosh, how funny. New York Social Diary. And it was run by this guy named Patrick something. Is it still there? Let's see. This is going to be crazy, right? Anyway, that was, uh, yeah, it's still there. Oh my God. Is it like a gossip site? What is it? And it still runs. It's like, it's it's David Patrick Columbia. Uh Uh, Type in my name. So what happened was, that was where all the socialites, if you want to call it, wanted to have their photo. It's like the page six of the social world. Mm-hmm. Like, if you made your, if your picture was on it, you made it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like being in vogue. But at the time, not not really, obviously, not really being in vogue. Yeah. But um, it, it was like being um, recognized that you made it somehow. Yeah. Whatever it means. So would you, would you consider yourself, you were a socialite at the time, like that was? I thought I was, whatever that meant. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I say that tongue in cheek, you know? Yeah, totally. No, I totally get it. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was now 55. And then, then I was, you know, I was 55, 45. I was like in my early 40s. Yeah. And um, was I married? Well, maybe I was married like eight years. Yeah. Anyway, by the way, I just looked, Googled myself on New York Social Diary and nothing came up. So I guess the old history stuff is gone. So what happened was somehow they found out about this New York Social Diary online and they looked for, they looked at the party pictures mm. and they looked for people who looked like what they wanted, who were pretty, who had cute kids, who were living the life. So there was an event that I went to called Outrageous and there were pictures taken of Allison and I at this event because it was a kid's event uh-huh. and saw my picture. They looked me up in the phone book, like literally like 911, 411, which doesn't even exist anymore, probably. And th- this is the message I got. Rachel, I have the worst memory in the world. I will never forget the message. <laughs> what is it? The worst memory. By the way, you could, the wor- I ran into someone at the airport yesterday. She says to me, hi, Jill. I'm like looking at her. Um, hi. She's like, don't you know who I am? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't. She says, you, you came to my daughter's bar mitzvah. Oh, my gosh. It's my biggest fear. I just do the thing right? where I pretend like I have met them because I'm I, like, I, I got to. Well, that's bad, though. I, I mean, I, I don't. I still don't know who she is, by the way. And yeah. I, I was so embarrassed to ask her to say, "What's your name again?" Anyway, started to detract. I have ADD, so um, <laughs> uh, they looked me up online, and this is the message they left. Okay, 
The guy had a British accent, so I won't do that to you and may do a fake British accent because I can't do it. I mean, if I'd I, like to hear it, but go I could, would. I mean, I'd like to be Ruby, my assistant, with an English accent. But it was something like, hello, my name is James Davis. I'm calling from Ricochet Television in L.A. We are casting. An, um, we are the producers of Super Nanny. Do you remember that show? Yes. Or, we're the producers of Super Nanny, and we're casting for a new show about glamorous New York City women and their kids. If you're interested, please give me a call. And he gave me his number. Oh, my gosh. Were you, and like, thrilled? Of- I was so excited. Well, first of all, if he hadn't said Super Nanny, I might not have called him back. Yeah. Right? So that was really smart that he did that. But you know what's so funny? What do you think of... So you hear this British guy on a tape machine, because we used to have tape machines, you know, back in the old days. Mm -hmm. I actually probably still have it in storage somewhere. And... You hear that. What do you think that looked like in your mind's eye of him making that phone call? In other words, what kind of room was he in and what do you think he looked like? Um, I mean, they all, it always just seems fancy when there's a British accent attached and it seems. So I thought that he was in an office with four walls and a door, you know, mm-hmm. all glass overlooking like the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. But he wore a suit. I'm just giving you like my visual. You're, you're picturing like the CAA offices basically. Exactly. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm thinking, and I didn't even associate it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and at, certainly at that point, I didn't. I had never been to CAA, and, and then I be, was a member, you know, a um, a client of this later mm-hmm. on. So right. So I'm thinking he's CAA. Although I'm not even sure how CAA offices are, but because um, I haven't been behind, like you know, I just go to my where they put me. I don't really walk the offices. I think a lot of them are cubes. But I thought he's in an office. I thought he's about 35, 40 years old, wearing a jet, you know, like a sport coat pair of jeans, you know, maybe headphones, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Way after I got cast on the show, one day I decided, and I'm not sure if I went with Bethany or not, but I said, you know, I don't think it's a good idea that these guys are filming us and editing us and they've never met me in person. Mm-hmm. I think I need to do a road trip. I think I need to go out there and say hello to everyone and do a meet and greet. Yeah, that's smart. Because then they'll feel, and this was my thinking, they'll feel less guilty editing me poorly if they know me yeah because my nature is i'm a salesperson i'm always selling myself i'm always selling myself i want you to like me i'm very insecure all those things right Mm -hmm. so i go out to la and you're you're in la right yeah yes okay so i'll tell you where they are and they're still there by the way they're across the street from universal in um is it called the valley yeah it's on the valley yeah Mm -hmm. so they're in the valley and they're in one of those maybe eight story six story low glass building i know exactly which ones you're talking about yep and i drive in if you give me the name of the street i'll tell you if that's it it's probably you're going over not barham what's the one it it turns from barham Barham. yeah it goes from highland highland i think it was barham or ventura it's one of the two i think it was barham Barham. i won't give the number obviously but i think it was barham anyway um we pull into the garage we take a ticket i'm giving you guys a visual you know i take a ticket there's no fancy receptionist in the you know in the garage or anything, whatever. <laughs> Take my ticket. I go to the elevator. I go up to the second floor, and it's like a nondescript you know office building with white walls and maybe a number on a door. Nothing fancy. No fancy carpet. Nothing. I go to where it says you know Ricochet Television. I go in. Um, I open the door, and there's like a reception desk, and I could see to the left about a pit you know what a pit is right so there's the outside walls and then the inside so there was a pit 
I want to say of maybe 30 uh, workstations uh-huh. with the cake and gray cubes with the long yeah, wall, yeah. where you can literally hear someone breathe mm-hmm. on the other side of the wall. And I asked for James Davis, and out pops a 25, 26-year-old kid in jeans and a shirt from oh England. Gosh. That was the only thing I got right. He was from England. Um, and the nicest, sweetest boy, by the way. And he should be credited with the Real Housewives of New York City. Wow. Because he found me. Forget about that I found everybody else. He found me. Yeah. Without me, they wouldn't have them. They would have had other people, but they wouldn't have had them. Yeah. Anyway, um, and that was it. And then there were no, there were maybe three or four offices in, in like real offices that had a door mm-hmm. against the wall. And maybe that was like for the president and, and the vice president. But everybody who worked there, yeah. and basically he was like a cold caller. Yeah. Were you ever thinking when you were walking in there, like, how are they going to produce a show about rich New Yorkers? Would it perhaps they know nothing about anything like that based on... That's not a perhaps. That was a definite. Yeah. You know, didn't. And, you know, listen, you can tell everyone who listens to your show, Hollywood is very young. Yeah. You know? it, yeah. I am. And, you know, when they talk about, like, women actresses and, at you know, the age of 30 or 40, you know, they're aged out. I think it's extended now. Mm-hmm. But, and it's certainly a lot better than it was 20 years ago. But 20 years ago, if you hit, what, 35, you were finished. You were oh, watching. yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, that's why I originally got into comedy as opposed to just being an actress because I'm like, hey, at least I can get old and, and I can gain weight if I need to. I, whatever. Comedy is comedy. Like, it doesn't. I can't. Fat, and the older, fatter, uglier, and more self-deprecating you are, the more successful you'll be. Yeah, so that so I was like, well, at least I can't age out of this. So And I like doing it. So, yeah. Um, no, can't age out of comedy. I think that, in fact, it gives you the more wrinkles you have, the more um, stories you have. Every absolutely. wrinkle tells a story, right? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so I walk in. And then the other thing that I remember that day, which I think is very interesting for listeners to hear about, like the old days, is I walked, I got a tour and I walked into a room. I wish I took a picture of it. It looked like it was like a giant closet. It was probably, you know, uh, 20 feet by 15 feet. Mm-hmm. Big, big room, no windows, windowless room. Oof. There were about 30 people sitting. They were, um, think of it as like a long desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a conference a, room type of thing? It looks like a conference room, but it was set up like a, like, a, like a classroom where everybody was facing forward towards the door. And there were these long, like 18 foot, 20 foot long tables. Mm-hmm. And on each table sat maybe six or seven people in front of a screen with headphones on. Oh, my gosh. And what do you think they were doing, Rachel? I'm guessing view, like be, like viewers like getting uh, like what is it? What is the word for it? Like a, like a control group, like seeing like how they're reacting to the show or what's going oh, on? No? No. I'll go back even further to what they were doing. You ready? Yeah. They were transcribing word for word everything we were saying on the tape. Oh, wow. Now, this is before technology took over. Yeah. They literally sat there and typed out, like we're talking now, it's called transcribing. Yeah, of course. You have it on your iPhone now, they do it computerized, right? Mm-hmm. No big deal. Back then, you know, um, even in a courtroom, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? They had to transcribe. So they were transcribing every word we said. And then what they would do is um, create a search mechanism 
so that when the editors, so first they transcribe everything, right? Yeah. Then when it would get to the editor's bay, um, and the editors would do what editors do, and they would have the TV show on the screen and do their editing thing. If they needed me to say um, the word crossing street, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, they would type in crossing street so they could pull up every single time I said that. Oh, and they can drop it in. Oh, that's so interesting. Put it in if they needed it in some context. Oh, that's so, they, so interesting. Every time Jill said the word Bethany. So mm-hmm. because what happens is a lot of the show, right, is about talking about each other or referring to a story. And so when they're putting it together, they have to do flashbacks and mm-hmm. stuff. Anyway, I listen, that's the one thing I will never know how to do, nor do I want. I mean, I would love to learn is how to be an editor. I yeah. give them the credit, how they can tell a story from what I think is nothing. Yeah. You know, like I'll have, a lunch, I'll have lunch with you for two hours and I'll think nothing happened. And then when I watch the show, how they put it together. Yeah. And how they can edit down hours and hours and hours of tape into an hour long or 30 minute show. Like it's, you know, it's It's miraculous. Yeah. I mean, they literally film, um, you know, 40 or 50 hours a week to get an episode. It's crazy. Yeah. So So, anyway, the most credit in the world is how hard uh, people in reality shows work. You know, it's similar to scripted, except it's the opposite. So in a scripted show, you have a script, you give it to the cast, and they read the script. Yeah. And in our show, we live our life, and that writes itself. Yeah, and absolutely. Well, so-, so I guess this would lead into the question I was asking before of like, okay, so now you're seeing, you, you walked in and you saw how much they can actually kind of manipulate what's going on. Was that hard for you as someone who is a business person who's very in control to relinquish control of your own self, your own brand? So, like, so, Right. So, Rachel, what you're trying to say is I'm a control freak and how did, how did that work? I mean, so am I, which is why I won't, I won't do it. I'm not saying it with tongue in cheek. I'm saying yeah. it last. So basically yeah. what you're saying is I'm a control freak and how did I handle that? Pretty That's much. Because <laughs> I am a control freak. You must be looking at me right now trying to control everybody and everything around me. Um, <laughs> This is what I would say, and this is what I would say to anybody thinking about being on a reality show, is live your life as honestly as you can, and it always works out. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, you could have a bad week. You could have, you could even have a bad season. But let's just say you have a bad week or mm-hmm. two. You know, mm-hmm. one week you watch the show and you're like, oh, my God, I can't even leave my house kind of thing. You know, the next week. It balances it out. You know, first of all, now someone else is in trouble, so it's off of you. Mm-hmm. But somehow mm-hmm. I'm, I always say this, that I, I believe that you really do get to know who you are, good or bad. Yeah. Like I said, good or bad, good or bad I know who I am and I own it. Yeah. Couldn't be, couldn't be, and that was my tagline, season something, couldn't be more prophetic. Is that the right word? Prophetic? Uh-huh. Um, because, uh, you know, if you watch someone long enough, it's the truth tells itself. Yeah, and, and you truly believe that even if there is some editing going on, you think that yeah. the truth always comes out? I don't, you know, that whole bad edit thing is like overused. I mean, I'm sure there are shows and situations where someone could get a bad edit, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm not everybody and I can't live in everybody's life. But when I say I can speak for myself having some bad seasons, I'm not going to use the excuse that I had a bad edit. Yeah. I'm going to say that I had a bad year personally. Mm-hmm. Totally. And there were a lot of forces behind it that happened. Mm-hmm. But the way I acted and the way I behaved. Yeah. Was I acted and the way I behaved. And, um, you know, sometimes things can be taken out of context. But, you know, when you look at the whole picture, 
you can't pick on one or two things. You got to look at the whole picture. Yeah, that makes but sense. I, think, though, is I was very paranoid season three. Mm -hmm. And for good reason. You know, I thought things were happening behind my back. And I was right. They were. And yeah. that made me very paranoid. And that's why I acted the way I did. And, you know, I've learned a lot about myself. And that was the good thing that came out of the show. Do you guys love a good compliment as much as I do? I mean, it's the best. Especially when someone says you smell good. And then I was surprised to realize that the intoxicating smell coming from me was my native deodorant. Not some perfume I was wearing. My native deodorant smells so delicious and so good that people literally compliment me on it. And I'm super excited because I finally decided to try a few more scents. Like I was obsessed, obsessed with the coconut and vanilla. I did the yuzu and orange blossom. Delicious. But I just ordered peony and jasmine tea. I cannot wait to see how it smells. Native deodorant is just... It's effective, it works, and it's healthy for you. Let me tell you about it. So at Native, they create safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. They create products with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. And if you're not convinced, you can check out the 9,000 five-star reviews from their customers. They're formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc. And they're filled with ingredients found in nature, which I love, such as coconut oil, shea butter, which is a moisturizer and and tapioca starch, which absorbs wetness, and they're never tested on animals, and there's free shipping and returns. And guys, it works. Test it out for yourself. Honestly, order some native deodorant, and you're gonna get, again, so many compliments on how good it smells, and you're gonna feel confident that you're not sweating everywhere, there's no wetness, and you smell great. And people love them. Like I said, 9,000 five-star reviews. They've been featured on the Today Show, Elle Magazine, Pop Sugar, Refiner29, to name a few. And it's nice to know what's in your deodorant and what you're putting on your body. And it's nice to know that it's coming from the earth. And there's no risk to try. They offer free returns and exchanges in the U.S. And you guys are going to love them. And they also make a great gift, like a good stocking stuffer. So for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code BEHERE during checkout. So that's 20% off your first purchase. Visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code be here during checkout. You guys are going to love it. Your loyalty is very big to you. And I, I do get that where sometimes is it, was it kind of like you couldn't wrap your head around when people, because you were being loyal and it was so important to you. Then so when maybe someone wasn't being loyal to you, it yes. was heightened so much because you couldn't imagine being that way. Yes. And it really hurt me. And I was very, very sensitive. I'm, listen, you know what they say? The biggest, uh, um, you know, um, what's the expression? Um, um, you know, like you can give it, you can't take it. But it, that's not the one I want to say. It's like I was, um, you know, I could give it, I couldn't take it. You know, I was very, very sensitive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was. And, um, you know, and if I was wronged, it really hurt me. What I needed to do was listen to Bobby, may he rest in peace, mm -hmm. and Jill, just let it go. Who cares? Who yeah. cares? I mean, it's I great think. advice. It's very hard to, you know, take, but I, yeah. And by the way, you wouldn't have had such a good reality show if I wasn't like that. So, yeah. you know, I guess, I guess I guess, who I am is who I am. And that was another thing. Like, I needed to own who I was because what would happen is, I think what people loved about me is that I stood up for myself and I didn't take crap and I, you know, was opinionated. Um, but then when people started to not agree with me or whatever, you know, you can't please everyone. And I tried to, yeah. so then instead of being authentically me and being the way that way, I, I started to fold a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's you a know? vicious cycle too. When you just think you got, you can please everyone, you know, apologizing and all that. I love when people just say, you know what? I'm not apologizing. Yeah. That's what I 
you don't like it too bad. And I was like that in the beginning. And then I kind of softened up a little bit and it, um, you know, it hurt me. Yeah. What was, uh, what was the moment you were most proud of on the show? looking back, watching it, and maybe the moment that you regret the most, if you regret anything. I hate to regret things, but of course I regret things. I should never have gone to, to um, when I got off the plane at Scary Island and I saw that Kelly had left the house, mm-hmm. my, you know, this is the thing. I created my own disaster. In other words, Ramona did invite me to, to, uh, to St. John, but Allison was applying to colleges and I had to stay home with her to finish her applications, okay? Mm-hmm. And that was it. And, and Luann didn't go. And that was it. They went and they had a time and they could have come back and everything would have been fine. But no, I came up and told the producers, hey, I want to go make up with Bethany. Plus, I think Kelly's going to be getting a hard time and I could go and help her. And they're like, great. Great, you want to come, come. So I created that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And and once I saw that Kelly had left the house, I should never have kept going. I should have turned my ass around and left. But, you know, it wouldn't have been great TV without it. Yeah, right? yeah. It's iconic. It's iconic. Yeah. And then what was your proudest moment, do you feel? Um, let's see, my proudest moment, if I could remember. Um. I think the opportunity to be able to like uh, raise awareness for Allison with her arthritis and my stepdaughter Jennifer and bullying and doing an anti-bullying thing. Um, and I just think, I don't know if the word, I, I'm not really proud of anything. It's not like the right word for me. Mm-hmm. It was the proudest moment. I don't feel like the TV show was set up to make it a proud moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. A, like, a memorable moment or like something that I, you know, something that I might have missed or wanted to do, but I don't think of it as being something I'd be proud of. Okay. Not that I'm proud of it, but it's not the kind of show you're proud of. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I know you don't have a ton more time, but I just have a few more questions if that's okay. I'm okay. Once I start talking, you know, you can't shut me. (laughs) Um, I was curious, I guess I never really knew your, and so I guess I'm circling completely back to the beginning. I never have really known what your backstory was. Like, did you grow up in New York? Did you grow up with a family with money or did you, or was it that you had to work your whole childhood and then you may, I don't know like what your trajectory into that is. Yeah, and I feel, you know, that's one of the things that I would say I, I would like to have seen more of is, uh, and I'd like to see it more now mm-hmm. on any reality shows, mm-hmm. is what you're asking for, is more, how did you get to where you are now? Yeah. Who are you? Yeah, it's you know? interesting because, I mean, there's, there's especially in this day and age where, where there is Instagram and things where people think that they can just be on a reality TV show or just become you know, famous for posting photos on Instagram. It's, they don't know the backstory of how a person got to where they got. And I just think it's, it's usually very interesting. It is. Um, um, what I will say is that I believe in life. What's meant to be is meant to be. And I think I always knew that I would be famous Mm -hmm. and I don't, I didn't know for what, because I can't sing and I can't dance. Mm -hmm. Did you ever want to be an actor or you know, when I was a little girl, my, I did, I went to act, no, okay, I went to acting school when I was like nine and ten, and I was the star of like Grease and this and that, but I couldn't sing, mm-hmm. and memorizing mm-hmm. lines definitely is an issue, because I guess it's a skill you can learn, but I'm not very good at memorizing anything, mm-hmm. um, and I guess I could have learned it, but no, I didn't go to college and think I would be an actor or anything, I guess I, I thought I could marry it, um, but I, I don't know, I didn't know what it would be, but I think I always thought, and the reason why I say that is my sister who's uh, a lawyer and a judge and has a great memory. She said that when we were little, 
we played a game called Careers, uh-huh. which I don't remember. And I actually bought it for like $9 on eBay and I have it. Um, she said we played a game and that um, you could spend money to, on different things. And she, she said to me that I put all my chips into being famous. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's so funny. In this game, Careers, when I was like six years old. Wow. Which I think is very weird, right? Yeah. At this game careers and I would be famous. I don't know. Um, but I, I think I always knew there was something about me that was special. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it, that I was funny, that I um, had a very interesting life, that I took a lot of risks. I don't know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And what was the backstory of all that? So where did you grow up? Well, I'll give you the, the short version and I'm not plugging it, but if people want to know, I did write a book called Secrets of a Jewish Mother. I saw that. I actually want to read that at some point. I almost, it's yeah. great advice book mm-hmm. for anybody in, you know, going through any stage of life, especially if you're dating or you're newly married mm-hmm. um, or just any part of your life. We, t- we have a chapter on education on how to find the best doctor. I mean, you're talking about like my mom who's incredible, my sister, who's incredible, and me, not so incredible, but we all have a lot of um, Jewish wisdom that's uh-huh. been it over the years and the additional that stuff. So if anybody wants to know what, what a Jewish mother would tell you, it's in that book. Yeah, I but, love that. But, also, but it talks about my biography. It tells you all about me. The holidays mean celebrations with friends, company parties, and family gatherings. So why not look stylish and feel comfortable all season long? And my secret to this is Rothy's shoes. They're stylish, sustainable, comfortable, washable, really. They're all-in-one pair of shoes. They're the perfect flats for the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. I can just like picture myself like, I know I'm going for Thanksgiving. I love to cook. I'm the one that cooks in the kitchen. We have tile floors in the kitchen. I'm not going to be barefoot. I'm going to wear my Rothy's shoes with my cute dress and look stylish and adorable and be super comfortable while I'm cooking. So Rothy's, like I said, stylish and comfortable, and they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. And Rothy's come in ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns, and are available in a range of styles like sneakers, loafers, points, and more. So also keep an eye out for the holiday colorway launches coming out this season as they are sure to sell out fast. They have playful designs and fun pops of color and they perk up every outfit. And Rothy's make a great gift for your best girlfriends and family and they'll thank you with every step. They're the perfect for the woman in your life who's on the go and loves a good balance of fashion and function. Like no one wants to be uncomfortable, but they also want to look cute. And Rothy's are seamlessly knit using thread made from plastic water bottles, which I love this. So they're ultra comfortable from the second you slip them on. That's right. There's zero break-in period. And here's the mind-blowing fact. By making their shoes using repurposed plastic water bottles, Rothy's has diverted over 35 million water bottles from landfills already. So check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash be here. Go to rothys.com slash be here that's r-o-t-h-y-s dot com slash be here to get your new favorite flats in time for the holidays comfort style and sustainability these are the shoes you've been waiting for head to rothys.com slash be here today so basically um and uh, can i just sidetrack one thing rachel yeah a really fun game that you can play with your friends that doesn't cost money that's just fun mm-hmm. so if you're with like four or more people uh-huh. everybody takes um everybody makes a little piece of paper for the amount of people in the group. So let's say there's five of you. So you have five pieces of paper and everyone has five pieces of paper and five pens. Okay. And you look at everybody. And let's say I would say Rachel uh-huh. and I would write down your name and you're allowed to say one word that describes you. Okay. So I might say funny. Mm-hmm. 
And so everybody, all five people are going to write Rachel and whatever that word is. And then you throw them into the middle. By the way, we made up this game. It's not a real game. Yeah. Then you throw the paper in the middle. You have 25 pieces of paper. Okay. And you pull up a piece of paper and it says funny. Okay, who do you think it is? Oh, I see. That's interesting. And then it's like, okay, it's Rachel. And then you turn it over and it's Rachel and I give it to you. At the end of everyone doing that, you're going to have five words to describe you in front of you. Mm -hmm. And that's who you are based on what you project. Oh, that's so interesting. I definitely have to play that. That's that. that Yeah, I'm really curious to figure that out. Don't you want to know what people think of you in a weird way that hopefully is nice and not mean? Yeah. um, You know, like we did it with my mother, you know, and some of the words were good and some of the words were kind of harsh, you know, like pushy or, you know, whatever. But with me, like my sister, like I I wish I had it in front of me, described me. All five words were very much me. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I'm ambitious. I'm driven. I'm uh, but no, but there were words. Anyway, the point is, is that so. Who am I? I was someone who always grew up very insecure. I grew up in a place called Woodmere, Long Island in New York, in New York. Mm-hmm. And it was a place where immigrants from Brooklyn, like my grandparents, mm-hmm. um, if they made a few bucks or whatever, they raised their children in Brooklyn. And then when their children grew up, which would be my parents, they wanted to either move to the South Shore of Long Island, where I grew up, the five towns, or they grew up, um, or they went to the North Shore of Long Island, which mm-hmm. is a you know, very nice area or New Jersey and there are other places around, but I grew up in a place called the five towns and I called it a ghetto, even though it has a negative connotation, but it isn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. It was like mostly Jewish people all living together okay. in kind of community. And money was very important. Mm-hmm. Whatever reason I grew up and money was power mm-hmm. in my, where I grew up and very important. I didn't grow up in a fancy house. I grew up in a, in a house that was maybe 1500 feet with a one car garage, but I thought I was rich. Mm-hmm. My mother let me want for nothing. I always had whatever I needed or wanted. And um, my dad was a lawyer, and but he was really an entrepreneur and a businessman. And he had great years where he made a lot of money and he had bad years where he didn't. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, but I never felt it, which was, I think, incredible that my parents were able to protect us to think that we had, you know, that money was never a problem in my family. It's just yeah. a way of up back then but my parents i find out later on had five thousand dollars left in the bank yeah my bat mitzvah or 5500 and they spent five thousand dollars on my bat mitzvah with five hundred dollars left in the bank because my mother had enough confidence in my dad that he'd make it and he'd make more it was just a different way of thinking yeah but that's kind of interesting though that is sort of like betting on yourself like it's that could be perceived as being dumb financially but i also think there is something to just kind of knowing in your gut, this is going to work out. It's worked out before. And, exactly. And not having a weird relationship with money too, where you're just fearful, like, oh my God, we can't do anything. I can only spend $200 on her that, you know, we'll never have money again. I think it's actually smarter, frankly. It is. But what it also, I don't know, for whatever reason, I was always hungry from to have more. Mm-hmm. I did. I always had a hunger for more, but I was willing to work for it. Mm-hmm. And um, from the time I was 14 years old, I worked in a Chinese takeout place. And I tell the story in my book that it was the first place I got hired and the first place I got fired. Mm-hmm. So um, I used to run the, I don't know why they would let me, the cash register. And I kept on ringing in for, uh, for a can of soda, 45 cents, which is what it was then, as $45. So they were short every night. 
like $44.60. Them being short and figuring out they weren't robbed. I mean, they weren't short. They were actually, Jill was typing in the wrong way. They fired me. But it was a big learning experience because I never forgot it. I never forgot it. And then from there, I worked at Key Food, which um, as a side note, when I did a television show, Nate Burkus' show, Mm -hmm. he did an episode where he sent me back to my you know, first real, that, that place went out of business. Key food was still in business in my town. So I went back there and I switched jobs with someone for a day and I put them in a limo to New York city and they had their hair and makeup done and all this stuff. Uh, it was on the Nate Burkus show. It was really cool. So I got to go back there as an adult. I thought that was really neat. Oh, that's cool. And then when I was about 14, 15, I worked at a store in town called goodbyes and I, you know, it was like a retail clothing store. I did that. Um, and I always worked. And then when I went to Boston, I just always worked. I used to throw parties at nightclubs in Boston <laughs> at, at these, you know, I went to college there. Oh, wow. I bet um, that was interesting. Yeah, no, it was pretty, yeah. And I remember my parents came to visit one weekend and I had $1,500 cash that I made from the door because I used to split the door with the owner and I counted it out on the bed at like two in the morning. And I was so proud of myself. You see, that was a proud moment. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's um, pretty crazy. Look at me. I can make money. Um, anyway, and then after that, I went to school for retail management. I became a buyer at Filene's department store. And then I got engaged and I married a boy in New York named Steven Shapiro. And I moved to New York and I went on the other side of retail and I became, went in the wholesale business and I sold men's dress shirts. And I did that for a little while, and then I sold men's socks and ladies' socks, and that turned into a career for me, where I ultimately landed as president of Jockey Hosiery at Great at uh, Great American Knitting Mills oh, years wow. later. And it was a hundred fifty million dollar business, and I learned a lot, you know. And then I retired when I met Bobby, and Bobby's like, "You don't need to work, you know. You're traveling too much. Let's just, you know, why don't you quit? Come work with me. We'll work together at Zaren Home, and Zaren, you know, and that was it." Oh, wow. I, so how, I, how old were you when you technically retired back then? But then also you've been working your entire life. So I don't think it's considered. Well, I retired in the corporate world. 38 yeah. Years old, 39. Oh, wow. That's so young. Not long after. So then I started working with Bobby and I did that for a couple of years. And then I got cast on the show. Mm-hmm. And being on the show helped me launch. I had a jewelry line. I had a squeeze couture, which I still have. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a bedding line back then. I wrote a book. I did a lot of entrepreneurial things. And now I'm probably, um, you know, gearing up to have the biggest part of my career, you know, historically that I've ever had, which is, you know, launching 27 products in 12 months. Now you've had a really, really interesting life. And I bet, I bet you can boil it down to a certain, like certain piece of advice someone gave you or a certain thing you believed in yourself where you just have had all these, what is like either the best piece of advice someone has ever given you or the best piece of advice you can give to create the life that you've had? Well, one is, um, I always say never say no, say yes to everything. Okay. Um, never say no, say yes to everything and go with your gut. Mm -hmm. You always know, unless you're a psychopath, right? Yeah, true. (laughs) Right, unless you're a psychopath, you we all have an inner voice, mm-hmm. and if you listen to it, it will guide. It will, you know, if if you know right from wrong, which 99% of the people do, 1% of psychopaths. But if you know right from wrong, your inner voice, if you listen, will guide you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'll say, "What should I do?" All I'm asking you to do is validate what I already know. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I already know what to do, don't I? Like if I said to you, Rachel, you know, what do you want to do in the next 12 months? Mm-hmm. Um, you probably know. But if you ask me, Jill, what should I do in the next 12 months? I'll give you advice. You know, if it matches yours, then it validates it. Yeah. And if it's, then you're going to be like, well, thanks for the advice, but I kind of really know what I want to do. Oh, yeah. I would just do whatever I was going to do anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Um, but but do it with enthusiasm and gusto. Don't 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 dip your toe in. Go all in. I love that. I love that. Well, um, it's been really awesome talking to you. Is there anything else you want to uh, uh, plug? I mean, besides the furnishings, uh, well, your social media, and is there any chance you have any interest in returning to Real Housewives? I think I read an article where you said, like, you have no interest, but... I think the time has passed. Yeah. You know, I definitely um, closed that chapter, Mm -hmm. uh, and I have for a while. I just didn't say it publicly. But you know what? I'll tell you what bothers me, and it shouldn't bother me because... I've been doing this business long enough. I've been in this business long enough to know better than to let things bother me, mm-hmm. but I'm human. You know, it bothers me when when um, people write nasty stories that are just mean and mean, yeah. you know, targeting me. Like there was only, like there were, let's say, 100 articles that came out of BravoCon that I was named in this week. Let's make a number up. Maybe two of them were not nice. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how much I've gotten so much love from BravoCon, from the show, from people. But, you know, it still bothers me. Yeah. Writes a nasty article just saying, you know, um, just just being mean. Just yeah. being mean. First yeah. of all, they don't know me and they don't know what I've said or what I've done or why I've said or what I've done. Yeah. You know, when you talk about rumors of me coming back, they're not rumors that I started. Yeah. And, and, and Bravo is pretty clear that they don't want you giving away plot lines and they don't want you sharing inside information. It ruins it for the fans. It's true. Yeah. So yeah. I, I try, you know, I've, I've done that before and I've gotten in trouble for it and I've hopefully learned my lesson. Um, and I just rather say nothing, but you know, if somebody starts a rumor that I'm coming back, you know, I'm not really in a position to say it's true or not true. So I just don't say anything. Yeah. But I think that after this weekend with so many fans asking, you know, I just put to bed what, what people know, which is I'm not, you know, I, I, I've chosen to not come back on the show other than what I have done, which is once or twice a season, mm-hmm. which I love doing. I hope they let me continue to do so that I pop in and the fans get it, get it, you know, a little of me goes a long way. But I just think it's really mean when people say nasty things, you know, oh, you know, she said that before. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. And it's sad that out of the hundreds of articles that people said nice things that we tend to focus on the bad ones. But and um, I don't want to give them any attention. I'm just saying that um, I'm grateful to the ones who do support me. And I want to thank all the fans that came out of BravoCon. If you're listening. And did you go, Rachel? Did you? Come oh, no, I wasn't there. Uh-uh. No, you need to come next year. Yeah, maybe I will. Yeah. You're friends uh, with like Heather McDonald, aren't you? So I'm I very saw- friends with Heather. I love I Heather. her at the last minute. Yeah, I think that's how I saw that she went. Yeah. going to talk about it on her next podcast, but she flew in and she stayed with me and I bought tickets to BravoCon. I was one of the lucky, you know, lottery tickets that was able to get one. I didn't have to buy it in the secondary market. Bravo did not give us more than two tickets. Nobody on Bravo got more than two tickets. Oh, wow. But I was able to buy extra. So I gave her one. 
Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, she's she's awesome. She's hilarious. And she's always been very supportive of like younger comedians and stuff. So I, I, I really love her. I'm glad because she's a good girl and she knows what it's like to work her way up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, she's thank you so, great. so much. I don't want to keep you long because it's and I feel bad. Now we're at like 50 something minutes. Uh, Rachel, when you're in New York doing comedy, please let me know. We'd love to come and support you. Oh, I would love that. I'll actually be there with Kristen Doty from Vanderpump Rules. Not New York will be in Long Island. So basically... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so basically I'm going to do stand-up at the at the beginning and then I'm going to bring her up on stage and we'll do like a live podcast. So we're doing it March 28th at the Governor's Club in Long Island. All right, I'm going to write it down right now. And if I'm in New York, stay in touch with Ruby and I would love to come. Yeah, I would love if you came. That'd be awesome. Maybe we can bring you up on stage for a Q&A and you can maybe do your discount code with the your furniture I mean, stuff there. I would just come to support. I'd love to support young you know, women like yourself. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, making it in this hard, harsh world, you know, it's hard to do it without support of other people. I really appreciate that. You're seem like a really, really nice person. So thank you. Um, anyway, good luck with everything. Thank you. Congratulations on your podcast. Ah, Thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. And it'll come out this week. So I'll I'll let Ruby know. know Okay. Thank you. Bye.